Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to that on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. Speaking of Mondays, it is one right now, and it is 7 p.m. Eastern time. That means we are live on YouTube on the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. And uh, you can watch the show there, but not just watch. You can comment and quite literally be a part of the show. We love uh, responding to the comments, interacting with everybody that watches. So drop into the comments. Tell us your thoughts about what we're talking about. And uh, hit the notification bell, the subscribe button, the everything else. You know, it's YouTube. You know what to do. Um, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach PNT, at A to Z Sports on the social medias. A to Z Sports.com is where you'll find everything that Zach writes on the internet. All right, let's get down to business. Tennessee walked into Neyland Stadium, dark mode, and laid the wood to South Carolina. Um, outside of just that opening where Tennessee got down was it 10-7 at one point. Game was never really in doubt. Uh, they just I, I wouldn't say they ran it up. I, I don't know that I would call it a, a beat down or a blowout necessarily um, because it was kind of a slow building kind of thing but uh, I you know 21 point win. You won by three scores. It was pretty nice. You watch the game, Zach, just like I did. What's up, man? Man, anytime you uh, lose the turnover battle and still win by 21 points, that's a, a especially a conference game, that's a pretty big win. So it was uh, not not a total beatdown, but Tennessee definitely took care of business. And for me, and I think most Tennessee fans, I, I bet it just felt like a relief. It wasn't like celebrating, not even like beating LSU last season, not even you know Clemson or Florida, certainly not Alabama. It wasn't a game where it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we won. You know, this was a huge win. It was just like, oh, thank God. That's out of the way. Took care of business there. If it did what did what ten, we thought Tennessee would do, you know, winning by three scores, what they should do against South Carolina, what they did in 2021. So that was uh, that was kind of my feeling on, on Saturday night. It was just relief and, and, and glad it was out of the way. Yeah, it, it was good to to just get that done. Everybody was talking, oh, it's a must win for Josh Eipel if you lose this. I would almost say it wasn't a must win as much as it was a must not lose. Mm-hmm. Is that a, If that makes sense, 
like you you win, you don't get a ton out of it. You beat South Carolina. I don't think South Carolina is a great football team, but if you lost, uh, that's that's very bad. I mean, two two years in a row to a coach that I think is ultimately going to end up getting fired at South Carolina. I don't think he's very good. I think they're kind of coming to that realization. I actually sent you earlier today, Zach. Uh, I sent you uh, a podcast of a South Carolina show, and and I told you I I had listened to it to goof on it. Like I was like, oh, let's let's see what these guys had to say, and then it was just kind of sad. Like <laughs> the guy, the guy was just sort of like, yeah, we're I'm not, we're pretty bad. I we just got rocked in both trenches, and Shane Beamer's not doing much out there. Uh, so yeah. Tough times for South Carolina may be uh, coming right up. But regardless, we're going to talk about Tennessee in all of this. Going to run down the game and everything that happened. And then we're going to talk about resetting our expectations. You're five games in, you're four and one. You beat South Carolina by three touchdowns. You lost to a Florida team who we just saw over the weekend is maybe not, maybe not so good. But you lost to them in the swamp. If that's any excuse at all, it's not really, but. Regardless, and so we're gonna reset our our predictions, um, and kind of say where we think Tennessee is headed for the rest of the season before this bye week and before the rest of the season commences. We'll do that. Then it was a big recruiting weekend for Tennessee here. Um, I mean, some some pretty serious heavy hitters were in town, and uh, we're gonna talk about that and then finish off the show. Producer Matt gonna be back with us. Um, just, you know, by, by week coming up, we're going to do some bye week score predictions. And also, he was at the game. We're going to get a, a live report from somebody that was at the game. That's going to be the show today. But let's just get to breaking down what we watched on Saturday, what it means, uh, Brew McCoy's injury, and what all of our thoughts were. And we'll do that right after I tell you about our first amazing sponsor, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans... As always, value to personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ. We're walking to one of their 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Come get yourself health plan. Support them because they support us. Now to the game. 41 to 20. I I was feeling pretty good in that second half. I had predicted 38-24, and I was a couple of field goals away from absolutely nailing it. Uh, well, a couple of field goals. Yeah, yeah, a couple of field goals. South Carolina would have scored an additional touchdown. But regardless, Tennessee won by about what I thought they would. I said uh, 14. Tennessee added on a, a touchdown to that. They covered. They even covered the halftime spread that me and Crompton talked about. But it wasn't necessarily that easy. You look at that score and you go, okay, three, three score win. Tennessee just disposed of these boys. Yes, yes and no. Um, it came at the cost of first things first, Brew McCoy, who just at, at first glance, I, I thought it, it might have been a, a compound fracture. I said that on a halftime show. First, Ultimately, first glance? Because SEC Network showed it for a lot of glances, ooh! by the way. Yeah. Just want to throw they, they really dwelled on it there. They didn't show the actual injury. They didn't show a replay. But yeah, they definitely did just show his leg. I thought it I thought it might have been compound. 
uh, you know, po- poking out of the skin. Not not fun to think about, but ultimately, I don't think that ended up being the case. It was a dislocation and a break. And yeah, I mean, he's done for the season. You got to think. Um, had had surgery that night, and that is a big loss of a playmaker. But it really leads to the discussion of what we saw after that. You know, pr- prayers for him. And and hopefully he he makes full recovery and either goes to the NFL. He also we've come to find out through a little bit of research could actually come back this coming year. I believe he has a COVID year. That's a different discussion all in itself. But where where does Tennessee go now? Because in that game, even with Brew McCoy, let's be totally honest. Tennessee doesn't have like flashy playmakers. You don't have a Jalen Hyatt this year. You just don't. At least if you do, you don't know it yet. That, that person has not emerged. Squirrel White made an absolutely spectacular play in that game, but is he that same caliber of, of athlete that's going to lay down five touchdowns against Alabama? Eh, I don't know. Where does Tennessee turn at that wide receiver position? I think that's that's a huge question going forward. I, I don't know what you saw in that game from from the wideouts there outside of Brew, but uh, you know what what were your thoughts after seeing that injury? I mean, I. I th- from the top, I feel like this is a game where you saw how important depth is for Tennessee at wide receiver. I mean, coming into this season, we talked all about those top four wide receivers. McCoy, Dante Thornton, the transfer from Oregon, uh, Romeo Keaton, and Stora White. And where does the playing time come in? Do you play four wide receivers? Do they rotate more? And suddenly, okay, well, McCoy's out for the rest of the season. Keaton's, you know, a little banged up, even though he played almost every snap. Uh, Saturday night, it seemed like Tennessee still didn't go his way a ton. I don't know if that was by design, if he was a decoy some of the time. He did make some big catches, but he wasn't as involved as maybe we expected. Maybe that was just the way defense was playing things. And then Dante Thornton, of course, was out with kind of a a surprise inactive on Saturday with an injury he sustained in practice the previous week. So you hope you get Thornton back through the bye. You hope you get Keaton healthy through the bye. That kind of gives you those two along with Squirrel. And then Caleb Webb, uh, you know, stepped up in that UTSA game, is getting more playing time. Chaz Nimrod had a had a bad drop on a third down against South Carolina that, that Tennessee really needed that play. But, you know, that's – it's youth. It's going to happen. We've seen it happen with almost every receiver at Tennessee this season so far. It's just a, a thing that receivers have to go through sometimes. There's there's always going to be drops. We saw every you know Jerry Rice had drops, Terrell Owens, <laughs> Randy Moss. Every receiver that's played had some had some tough drops in tough situations. It it's just part of playing sports. But luckily, you, you do have the depth there. I think to to weather this, maybe Caleb Webb steps up and he's like Ramel Keaton last year. Whenever Tillman went down or, or Chaz Nimrod, I mean, you never know. Maybe Thornton the, the light switch kind of comes on and he really grasps this offense that that takes a little bit of time to kind of figure out maybe it flips for him after the bye week against Texas A&M and he steps up and and he's Jalen Hyatt 2.0 like who knows I mean there's 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 going to be opportunities there no doubt but losing McCoy because he's such he's his blocking on the perimeter is so important and you can't say enough about that speaking of the perimeter those little screens that they throw out there if it does go to McCoy he has the 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 body type and the strength to be able to knock these defensive backs and some of these linebackers over and get those extra three or four yards to extend the drive and to let your tempo go to work and and get into the offense that Tennessee wants to get in. So not having McCoy is is certainly going to hurt the offense. I mean, it's a huge loss. 
just the tone that he sets, but I think they have the talent there to to overcome it and to still have some of those splash plays happen. Um, assuming that you're able to kind of connect with those down the field. I think you have the receivers that can execute as long as the play calling Joe Milton, you know, getting the ball down the field to those guys and seeing it, if all that lines up, uh, you know, I, I, I think they'll be okay. Elias says, looking to see Nathan Leacock get some reps. And actually, Hypel in the postgame presser actually even brought up Nathan Leacock's name. Uh, yeah, you have these young guys. They're just completely unproven. You, you got to see. Don asks, can we go deep with the receivers that we have left? Squirrel, for sure. Yeah. Everybody else. Keaton's, we've seen it from Keaton. Keaton, you can. Yeah, he he, he just is not. They're outside of Squirrel. There is nobody that can do that Jalen Hyatt just like burn past somebody with pure speed. Thornton, like that. maybe, maybe, maybe we you haven't seen see it. it. Yeah, yeah, we got to see it. Supposedly, that was kind of in his skill set, but he's got to be 100% healthy. He's got to actually show it when he's out there. When the ball comes to him, he's got to catch it. That's really the key for him. Um, but I, it's no matter how you slice, it's going to be tough. Outside of that, there, there's a lot to this game. And, and maybe you could combine two elements here that we need to talk about. Uh, Cooper Mays came back and the offensive line looked significantly better. And I, I was almost surprised by how much better it looked. Like I thought it was going to look better, but it was like night and day. And maybe that's a function of South Carolina's defensive line, not being world beaters or something. But I, I think that the offense just runs smoother. He's a nice veteran presence out there. He just brings, Brings an experienced level head and a and a better. He's just better at playing center. Period. Um, than than you had with Ollie Lane. Combine that with is Tennessee a run heavy offense now? I mean, I you have Joe Milton right now with kind of tweak tweaked knee. You're not sure exactly where he's at. He's already not amazing at throwing the ball. He's not necessarily terrible, but he's not consistent. Um. And they just ran it all over South Carolina. And it's with all three dudes. Dylan Sampson, Monster. Jalen Wright, Monster. Jabari Small, Monster. I mean, it's it's just a, a great backfield. Every single one of them made plays in that game. And I mean, I think you're, you're talking probably the best, the best running back room in the SEC. And I, I, I think those two things go together. The offensive line has to be better for Tennessee to be a run-heavy team. I think Tennessee, looking at the way things are, Tennessee almost has to be a run-heavy team this season. And that's really interesting because I did not anticipate that coming into this season. They they really like to be pretty much balanced last year. And I I think ten- Tennessee might might be uh might be run heavy because that's that's where your your skill is. It just is what it is. And I think, well, real quick on Cooper Mays, I think you have to point out the fact that he came back after not playing pretty much the whole month of September, the first four games of the season, not really practicing much, and played 70 snaps out of 74 pretty much the whole game. I think he was out there all but the last series. To do that with the conditioning that it requires to be in, uh, the condition it requires you to be in to play in this offense, the, the tempo and to operate that was was pretty impressive. I know... There's a lot of controversy, or maybe not controversy, just discussion about the injury and the surgeries that he had and, and staying out when he was going to be back. 
I thought it was impressive that he came back and played to that level and didn't they didn't have to rotate him in and out with Ollie Lane. They didn't have a mix and matched offensive line because of that. I mean, he he gutted it out and, and he said on Dave Hooker's off the hook sports on his appearance on Sunday that, that he was kind of hurting. He was glad the bye week was coming up so he could get a couple of weeks to get healthy before Texas A&M. So credit to him for for coming back and playing the way he did. But as far as the run game, I think it should be encouraging if you're a Tennessee fan to see this. Yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating, I guess, to, to not see some of those deep passes because that's that's the highlight plays. That's what changes the momentum of a game in a, in a split second. And, and we have seen some of those, just not as many. But the fact that, hey, Tennessee can go run the ball and pick up six, seven yards of carry if they need to, that's impressive. I mean, they have three running backs that are playing at a really high level right now. Josh Heupel showing that this offense is not one-dimensional. They can do a lot of different things. If that's the style that they need to play and if that's what the defense is going to give them, they're going to take it. And I saw a stat on Twitter. I don't know if it's totally accurate, so don't don't go out there sharing this with your friends and, and saying that it's, it's for a, a for sure stat, but it does seem like it's it might be legit. It, it, they said uh, that, that Alvin Kamara was the only running back since Philip Fomer that's averaged over, I think, six yards a carry until this season. I think Tennessee's got all three that are right there at that number. And if if wow. that's the case, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's over the yeah. last 15 years. And playing against a couple of SEC teams and still have that average I mean, pretty much halfway through the season, that says a lot about the offensive scheme and what Heupel can do and, and that he's not just limited to this one-read gimmicky offense if that's what people want to call it. it it's definitely not that they'll go run the ball down your throat and look we were texting about it people on twitter were tweeting about it why aren't they running the ball at the end of the second half and it seemed like they started getting some three and outs before kamal Hatton's interception that that pitch six that that changed the momentum they came out in the second half they ran the ball again and 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 in the first half it could it, it may not have been play calling Maybe Joe Milton was seeing something at the line of scrimmage that said, hey, we need to throw here. They're trying to stop the run. They did that a lot against Mississippi State the previous week, so it wouldn't be a surprise. But when they gave it back to them, uh, they took it, and that's pretty much what put the game away. And that's I think it's encouraging to see that Tennessee can do that. Absolutely. And it it kind of leads to a lot of questions tying in Brew McCoy's injury here and the, uh, a lot of Folks, uh, we got some good comments building up here that are kind of going in the direction I wanted uh, to go in. Uh, Billy Bob says, I would like to see Samson as a wideout. Absolutely. Maybe that slot position. He's obviously very short. And that's Alabama kind of did that with Jameer Gibbs last year at Tom. Yeah. Yes. He was probably and, their best receiver, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, look look there. Get get creative because you have, you know, you have Cam, Cam Seldon who – who still you you have even more depth there d williams d williams uh, i think a lot of people have kind of been looking around going like can he play on somebody asked josh heupel about that specifically at the uh, knoxville quarterback club today and he kind of like danced around it a little bit suggested that it's just there's a lot that goes into learning this offense which we obviously we know that so i don't know if that was his way of saying hey it's just not going to work out there or what, or maybe just typical hypo coach speech. He's not going to give anything away. Uh, but that, yeah, that's, that's something that people are definitely asking about. And hypo's hypo's hearing it from fans. He, he definitely is. Cause, cause he's electric. And I don't think there, there's any way to deny it. It's kind of like Dylan Samson where you look and you go like, man, this dude, this dude's killer. Like, why are we not getting the ball in his hands more? 
It, it feels kind of similar to D. Williams. Maybe there's something there that we just don't don't know about. The thing with, with Dylan that. Sampson, real quick though, is that Jalen Wright, I think, averaged more yards per carry than him. Like Sampson's electric, and the ball needs to be in his hands often. But Jalen Wright is right there with him. I mean, he's he's doing a lot of incredible things this season. You can tell his patience, all that stuff has improved tremendously. And he was good last year. I mean, he would have been a thousand yard rusher last year if it was just him in that backfield. So it's it's almost like a Camara Jalen Hurd situation, I feel like, with Wright and Sampson right now. Yeah, I that's that's a, a big comparison as you already kind of said there. Uh but I mean it's definitely the best set of running backs we've had since then. I I don't think that's even in doubt at all. Uh obviously we'll have to, you know, it's keep everybody healthy and we'll see exactly how Josh Heupel uses everyone. But I think you you have to be looking using those dudes in creative ways now uh, that that you have uh, Brew McCoy out. And I, I like Green Wave. He said, maybe with the best edge blocker out, maybe we'll throw more downfield. Maybe I get the feeling they'll probably lean into the run game even more. But I, I would like to see that. Joe, Joe can, when he's on, he can throw downfield for sure. Uh, oh, this is interesting. And we haven't, I mean, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. But uh, Jason Dyer said, I heard on Sports Talk today, that we may be getting Keenan Peely back for Texas A&M. I don't know about that. I mean, that's sports talks pretty 99.1. I, I didn't hear it. Jason heard it. I, so I don't know exactly what was said, but wasn't it? It's a torn muscle. I think that he had, that takes a while to come back from. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, my stance on uh, Josh Heupel and Tennessee injuries is the same as yours stance on beating Florida uh, and and Kentucky beating Tennessee. I'll believe it when I see it. So I'm not really going to take anything that's said to heart until October 14th at 3.30 Eastern time, whenever, you know, CBS uh, airs that game and as, as far as who's playing that day, because I don't think Heupel is going to let us know if Keenan Peely's playing in that game. I don't think he wants no. anyone to know. And in fact, he might even just float it out there so – Texas A&M will think he's playing. Who knows? At this point, nothing would surprise me, and that's not throwing shade at Josh Heupel by any means. Jimbo Fisher, the coach that that he will face next, is notorious for doing the exact same thing. So I don't – we'll just have to see how it goes over the next two weeks. Yeah, for sure. Trey Trey says, don't you think Thornton has to be the answer? We already kind of said that. Basically, yes. But ha- what have we seen that he's definitely going to be the answer? Of course, you – before Jalen Hyatt emerged last year, you hadn't seen that he was going to be the answer. And, and uh, you know, and ultimately he ended up becoming the dude, the Bolitikoff winner. So, yeah, I, I would love for everything that we heard in the offseason about Dante Thornton, please, please be that guy. Because supposedly the physicality is all there. Uh, but let's do talk about, I mean, obviously we're kind of doting on the offense just just because it was fun to see that that switch up where you were just, Winning in the trenches and just running all over South Carolina, that was great. And I think it gives you a good identity in light of Brew McCoy going out. If, if you're going to lose power on on the outside, at least your running game is working really, really well. But with defense, you also want a defensive trenches. That defensive line looked powerful. It ate South Carolina alive. Spencer Rattler was running for his life the entire game. And... It wasn't just stalwart older guys. It wasn't just Tyler Barron getting into the backfield. James Pierce, man. 
Here, I I told you I was gonna do this, Zach. This this is my. If you don't know that sound, that's a blue tick coonhound. Because James Pierce is a dog, a certified dog. That's that's I'm get, maybe I'm gonna make that a, a new thing on the show. It's a dog alert. Dog alert. James Pierce's dog. He no was a monster, man. He uh, he was the catalyst of the pick six. That, that Kamal hadn't, you, you know, I, I even Crompton kind of said this in our post game that Kamal hadn't wasn't necessarily playing amazing defense when he got that pick six. But he was in the right place at the right time, and he took advantage of that play, regardless of what he was doing outside of that. Uh, and James Pierce had the pressure that caused that pick six, and and outside of that, he just was everywhere the team finished with six sacks eight and a half tackles for loss i think it was just brutal but they they brutalized south carolina's offense uh and and then the defensive backs probably the best game defensive backs have played since definitely since kentucky last year maybe of josh Hypo's entire time at they were Tennessee. they were good against clemson yeah that's true that's true they 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 held it down against uh Klubnik there but yeah man i it was impressive. An impressive showing from from the defense. I thought Tim Banks in general might have been one of his best games. I know South Carolina scored you know, 20 points, but uh, I mean, you're going to have some games like that just because of Tennessee's offense where there's a few extra possessions for the other team. And that that one, was it the 75 or whatever, 75-yard touchdown run from South Carolina on the first play after Tennessee had scored? I think that one you just got chalked up to South Carolina called the perfect play and Tennessee called the absolutely wrong defense. Like it was just happenstance on first down. You don't really expect that to happen. It, it was just kind of fortunate. It was a good play call by South Carolina, just a, a an unlucky play call by, by Tennessee's de- you know, defensive coordinator, Tim Banks. But otherwise, I thought he called a great game. And one example, there was a – third or a fourth down in the first half where Shane Beamer said that Spencer Rattler checked out of the play that South Carolina had called, which ended up, it would have been a perfect play call for the situation. They probably got the first down, but he thought he saw pressure coming from a certain area and Tim Banks disguised it so well that he checked out of the play and checked into a play that was not, you know, it just did not work with what Tim Banks had called defensively. So the way that he disguised that tripped up Spencer Rattler, a guy that you know ate Tim Banks lunch last season. If we're if we're being honest, in Columbia, uh, so I thought it was a really good bounce back performance. I wrote that it needed to be like a prove it game for Tennessee's defense Saturday night. Not necessarily like we're making coaching changes if this goes south, because I don't I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I don't know what what issues calls what and 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 who's involved in different processes. Like I just, I just don't have that insight. None of us really do. Uh, but they needed to show up. It's year three. It's a big home game. You needed to have a, a performance where the defense holds its own and, and really makes a difference. And the defensive line is what kept that game from being a shootout. You know, otherwise, yeah. if Rattler gets time to throw, no matter how good the defensive backs are, if he's getting five, six seconds to throw the ball, he's going to find somebody. Somebody's going to find, you know, get open, make some plays. Tennessee totally took Leggett out of the game, though. And because of the pressure, he wasn't able to have enough time to ever finally get into a situation where they can just kind of like make a, a, a Chiefs-type play that you see Mahomes and Kelsey make. They weren't able to do that because the the game that Tim Banks called and, and the pressure the defensive line put on. So I thought it was a really encouraging performance, definitely, for, for Tennessee's defense and Tim Banks. 
Absolutely. Agree 100% with all of that. I mean, the, the sad truth for South Carolina is that if they had a half-decent offensive line and one more solid wide receiver. Like Juice Wells, who didn't play. Like Juice Wells. He's, he's probably best quarterback in the SEC. Not that there's just killer competition this year. But, uh, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs for them. That, that offensive line is absolutely horrendous. They got completely eaten alive. This is the second time this season that they've gotten completely eaten alive. Surprisingly, didn't get completely eaten alive against Georgia. <laughs> At Georgia, um, I mean, they, they got worn down late and eventually, you know, just couldn't handle it. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's ugly for them. I already said my my piece. Beamer's a clown. I think he's they're they're starting to really get a distaste uh, for him. If he didn't pull a couple of miracles uh, out of the hat at the end of last year, I think there's there would be real discontent uh, for him at the moment. But he did. You know, it's kind of a, a Butch Jones thing. So that's what Butch did is like, you you won just enough not to have people completely, you know, turn on you. But uh, regardless, I, 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 you know, loved how Tennessee looked in that game all the way around. I, <laughs> I did see a comment. Where was it? Yeah, Will Vincent, he says, seriously, why were South Carolina fans taking their pants off in the crowd? Did you see this, Zach? I saw uh, the. I'm pretty sure I know what photo you're talking about in that that situation. And I, I, I mean, I would love to know some of the context behind I that. Sh- I should have had it prepared. Um, well, I don't know. We probably can't can't show it on YouTube. To be totally honest, uh, it was a um, a rather large South Carolina fan who was getting arrested, and for some reason his pants were down. And people, obviously, all the Tennessee fans around that guy took pictures of him getting arrested with his pants down. Uh, and including one of the f- the funny... There were multiple angles of it that I saw. Uh, but one of the funniest was was pretty close, maybe same row that the guy was sitting on. And r- right behind the guy, there was like a 12-year-old kid right behind him with his phone up going... <laughs> Just taking a picture of the guy getting arrested. I don't know what was going on there. South Carolina, their their fans were absolutely on one after this. And talking about Spencer Radley, let's let's finish. Let's wrap up the South Carolina game talk with this. After the game, Spencer Radler goes in there and he got crushed. Just got crushed in that game. Played terribly. 100, 169 yards passing total, I think, just did next to nothing. And he goes in and he says, well, was, this was Tennessee Super Bowl, so congrats to them, I guess. It was something right along those lines. And then every South Carolina fan was like, yeah, that was Tennessee Super Bowl. We were Tennessee Super Bowl. Don't flatter yourself, South Carolina. Just stop. Every Everybody who says this is simply coping. It's just being a sore yes. loser. It's, a, it's, it's the ultimate sore loser thing to say. And, and the real deal here is that we all know everybody who's not a South Carolina or Tennessee fan knows. If you're a third party to this, you know exactly what's going on. South Carolina largely is a completely irrelevant program. They always have been. The closest they've ever gotten to relevancy was playing in an SEC championship game in 2008? No. 10? 10? Whatever it was with Spurrier. That's about know, as Butch, close as Butch Jones. <laughs> Butch Jones beat one of their best teams ever. Oh, but he beat, and I believe that that team with Spurrier went eleven and two, 
And Butch Jones beat that team <laughs> in his very first year, if I remember it correctly. That was 2013, I think. Um, in, in a relevant program that simply does not have the resources to be a, a powerhouse like your Georgias, your Alabamas, uh, you know, in, in the past, Tennessee, uh, it's just not there. Tennessee doesn't think about South Carolina in that way. Your number, I don't know what, six? in terms of importance on Tennessee's schedule in any given year. It was important last year because if Tennessee would have won, they would have made it to the college football playoff. So it was super important last year, sure. Um, but in in all of these other years where Tennessee isn't playing for a, a spot in the playoff, we t- it's South Carolina. Like, we're relieved when you win, but we're not rushing the field. We're not getting too excited. We're not smoking cigars. We're not doing... Don't... What do you... Shut up. Don't flatter yourself. This is dumb. It's all cope because you're you're... Sad, you're mad that you lost. It, this was so silly. I, <laughs> it, I didn't. Even, it didn't make me bad. I just, you, it, you just kind of had to laugh at it, right? No, I mean, I've probably said something similar after Tennessee lost to maybe even South Carolina last year. I don't know. I mean, it, it is in the moment. It is kind of that emotional reaction where you try to downplay, like, oh, yeah, like we don't even care about this game as much as they do, which obviously is not true when it comes to South Carolina and Tennessee. I mean, both teams care a lot about that game, but I think. South probably means a little more South Carolina's Tennessee's main rivals are more Alabama, Florida, Georgia in, in that vein. But I mean, I didn't really, he was talking about the fans anyway. The question was about the fans and them chirping at him all night. And he said it was like their Super Bowl. So he wasn't really even talking about Tennessee's team. But after everything last year and then to lose that way, especially with him throwing the pitch six that really gave Tennessee some momentum and Actually, I, I saw Elias mention, I think it was Elias up in the comments a little while ago about the uh, third and 20, whatever call it was, where Rattler threw the the interception. Beamer explained uh, after the game that the reason he did that one was because of Tennessee's offense. He felt like uh, if they ran the ball there, Tennessee had one timeout left. They'd call timeout, get the ball back with, what, like 40 seconds to go. Uh, they'd probably have decent field position. But mostly he was worried about kicking to D. Williams. Yeah, we were talking about him earlier and the fact that, that he's averaging 21 yards of punt return. Even if he doesn't get to the end zone, there's a decent chance he gets across midfield. At the worst, maybe you get a field goal out of it. I mean, there's no guarantee Tennessee gets any points at all. But it was really the fear of D. Williams that led to that play call where they were just trying to hope to pick up maybe 10, 12 yards give them a little better situation to punt, maybe run a little more time off the clock, force Tennessee to use that timeout. Clearly, it did not work out. They should have just ran the ball and took their chances, but that that was uh, Beamer's thought process on that, and that's you know why Rattler threw that ball when his feet weren't set and right to Kamal Hatton's hands. Interesting call. <laughs> the incorrect call, for, for sure. Uh, well, we're, we're going long on this first segment, and we got three more to do, uh, but... Yeah, all all the way around, satisfying game outside of the the horrific brew injury. I mean, that's it's just it's going to make this game bittersweet no matter how you slice it. But um, all things considered, great win, great momentum builder going into a very tough stretch of your schedule, the, the toughest stretch of your schedule. Mm-hmm. So let's get now to five five games in. Let's repredict uh, Tennessee season. And I, I believe I I predicted uh, eleven and one. Zach, I think you did uh, ten and two before the season started. And let's see where we land uh, now after five games. Right after I tell you about our next great sponsor, Zen Sports. If I can get 
the read very professional live show here it's football season and it's time to switch to zen sports the fastest growing sports book in tennessee changing the bonus game with their cash rewards program we sign up for zen sports with code eight to ztn earn a welcome bonus that gives you five percent cash back on your total betting volume for your first 15 days of betting yeah a insane offer. Uh, if you have friends who bet on sports, share your Zen Sports referral code with them, and then you'll earn 3% of their betting volume for their first six months of betting on Zen Sports with no cap on how much you can earn. So what are you waiting for? Stop wasting time and money on other sports books when you could be earning real cash rewards with Zen Sports. Download today on the App Store or at zensports.com, and your wallet will thank you later. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. Zen Sports. Go download it. Fun app. Uh, so as I mentioned, I said 11-1. I think you said 10-2, right? Uh, yeah, I'm the, pretty sure. The season started. Now you're five games in. Look, as, as far as the record goes, the only thing that really stands out is that horrific loss at Florida. And then you look at that one and you really say, that is truly the classic, what the hell happened to Florida game? I mean, Florida clearly stinks. They got their butt kicked all the way up and down the field against Kentucky over the weekend. I mean, it was completely embarrassing. Kentucky ran for 300 yards against them. It just is ridiculous. And, and Tennessee, at least in that first half, total meltdown, never did recover against Florida. And so here we are, 4-1, Texas A&M, Alabama, Missouri, Kentucky, uh, Vandy, Yukon, still in Georgia, remaining. Where do you land, Zach? What, what do you think uh, Tennessee's going to finish with record-wise? Man, it's it's tough because I'm, I still feel pretty good about most of these games that, that I picked, obviously I had them beating Florida going 10 and two. I had them losing to Alabama on the road and uh, losing to Georgia. The way the SEC's turned out this year, I, th I feel like all those games are winnable. Like Georgia doesn't look nearly as good as they did last season. Uh, maybe Stetson Bennett was a lot better than we realized. I don't know, but they, had a tough time against South Carolina, which was in Athens. They had a tough time against Auburn on the road. You know, that I feel like that's a winnable game, but it's so far down the line. I mean, that's almost two months away. It's at the end towards the end of November that it's who knows what state both teams are going to be in. So, and with the Alabama game, it's almost the same way. Like, I feel like if Texas AM beats Alabama this weekend and then Tennessee beats Texas AM, I don't feel like the vibe in Tuscaloosa is going to be the same as what we would normally see because that is a crowd that is not used to having two losses by mid-October. They're starting to be on the downswing of Nick Saban's tenure. And that's not to say he won't win another national championship at Alabama. Maybe he does. Like You get a transcendent quarterback, anything's possible, and he's still Nick Saban. But he doesn't have the grip on college football that he used to have. A lot of that's because of the portal and NIL, the rise of Georgia. A lot of different factors. Even the rise of Tennessee over the last two years has contributed to that. I mean, he lost Arian Carter to Tennessee and some other players. So that's a winnable game. The fact that it's on the road, though, concerns me. And I feel like the atmosphere there is going to swing that game one way or the other. If it's a raucous crowd, Tennessee has not proven yet that they can win in those environments. They just haven't. And until they do, it's hard to say that they will. It, it just is. So for now, I think I have to stick with the way I had it. I had it predicted just because 
I just don't know what it's going to look like by that time of year. So, you know, I think nine and three, and then hopefully you win the bowl game and you're 10 and three. Coming off the season you had with the talent that you lost, I feel like that's reasonable. I don't think anybody should be upset if they go 10 and three with losses to Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. I mean, you're disappointed, obviously, because the Florida game is one that you should have won. All these games are winnable. But Tennessee is not the Tennessee from last year either. And, and that's okay. Like, you're not going to have that every single year. Now, maybe they turn into that moving forward. Maybe this defense continues to improve. Maybe the passing game picks up and when you combine it with the running game, they they hit their stretch, uh, you know, down, down, the, uh, down the stretch part of the season. They really find their rhythm. But for now, I have to stick in with the predicting the schedule to play out the way I thought it would and nine and three in the regular season. Nine and three. I the, the main difference from my prediction at the beginning of the year is how bad the offensive line has been now with Cooper Mays back. Maybe that prediction in, improves or my thought there improves. With Cooper back, uh, Andre Carrick. I, from what I've heard, he was definitely like he is expected to come back and be the starter left guard. And so, maybe you even improve further than you than how you played with South Carolina or against South Carolina. So there's that. But the offensive line to begin was was worse than I thought it was going to be. And then Joe Milton, he wasn't drastic. He hasn't been drastically worse than I thought he would be, but he hasn't been as good as I thought he would be. I thought he would run more. I, I really thought they would emphasize that with him. I thought it would be kind of the UTSA game. They open it up. They really, they try to run him a good amount and try to make that a factor and in that make the passing game easier on him. That hasn't happened. Obviously, he's tweaked up right now at that knee. And so that that throws an entire wrench in that. And you know, you take that into account also. Defense has been pretty much how I, I thought it would be. Improved for sure. Undoubtedly improved. Really powerful up front. Defensive backs. A couple of, of really solid games and one that... The safeties probably need to better. be... The safeties probably need to be better, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and Ke- Keenan Peely coming back, I mean, Lord, I, I pray that the, that prediction from Sports Talk, whoever said it, is is true, and Keenan Peely will be back. That would be huge. Hand, but I'll, huge. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Though the young um, guys have played well. T-Lander, you know, looks oh, yeah. like he's going to be a dude. Arian Carter is definitely a dude. Elijah Herring, I mean, they, they've got guys yes. that are young, but Peely is, he's an NFL player. Uh, he's yeah. he's a guy you definitely want out there. Yeah, you need that veteran presence and and a guy who just in that opening game, it was just so clear that he's a really powerful piece for you. Um, and you know, take take all of that into account. I will drop down to nine and three. I think it it just seems the most likely thing. And I I thought that before the season, my basically I I sort of was like, well, if Joe is not as good as I'm hoping he will be, it's a nine and three team. He's not as good as I was hoping he would be. Again, not terrible. He's definitely not terrible, but he's not. I mean, he's just not confident with his legs. Has Still has. I was expecting him to have the inconsistencies throwing the ball that he's had. I was 100% expecting that because it just is kind of who he is as a quarterback. But the the legs and the physicality has been disappointing. I almost um, want to tell him to go back to just throwing the ball like he wants to and not trying to take the air out of it because I really feel, well, the one interception, South Carolina just 
they they beat him with their scheme. Uh, they beat everybody there with their scheme on Tennessee side of the ball. He never saw that other safety. They disguised their cover two look. The interception that was to Warren, that the pass was intended to Jacob Warren, I mean, that should be a touchdown. Jacob Warren had him beat. At worst, you throw that ball out there, and if it's an overthrow, it's an overthrow. It's a missed opportunity. You, exactly. I think him trying to take the air out of the ball just a little bit there is what calls that interception. If he just throws that the way Joe Milton knows how to throw it, it's a touchdown or it's just it's an incompletion that that sells past Jacob Warren. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a head case. I that Nick Nick says it well here. I think we can win with Joe one hundred percent, but I don't think he's good enough to overcome mistakes and elevate us. Need everyone to execute, and that's the only path. I, I think that that's well said. I it you just he he is not the guy that's going to drag your team to win. Let's say Alabama. You get there, you're down a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and you go, who is the guy that's going to get in here and and take Tennessee to this win? Hinton Hooker was that guy. Is Joe Milton that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If he is. Well, he hasn't went out and I haven't seen like, kind of taken over a game yet to, to lead Tennessee to a win. And maybe that happens. Like, I'm not saying that it can't. Uh, I, I just feel like – and this is no slight in Tennessee's coaches or, or Michigan's coaches or anywhere he's been, but I feel like he's probably taken in so much information at this point and so many people telling him what he should do, how he should do, that it's really hard for him to go out there and just play free the way we saw Hendon Hooker last year, the way you saw Spencer Rattler in, in Columbia last yeah. year, those last couple Great games. And, and I think some of that was his issues, too, coming from Oklahoma and going to South Carolina and hearing all these different things. I think there's – there's something real about that. And, you know, every situation is unique. And everybody's journey is unique. But, you know, it, it it's definitely something he has to prove he can do. And until he does it, I don't think teams are going to respect it. But if he does it one time, you know, maybe it changes the way teams play defense against Tennessee. Maybe yeah. it changes a lot of things and everything just opens up more because it, it really just feels like they're not they're giving they're giving Tennessee the run because they don't respect, you know, what Joe Milton can do in the passing game right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Elias says if Joe does become that guy, then the ceiling goes way up. I mean, I go back to my eleven to one prediction. If Joe can be that guy, I th- I think this is probably the potentially the worst team Nick Saban is maybe ever going to have <laughs> right now. And mm-hmm. and I mean, especially a quarterback. And even even though I mean the dude they got, he can't throw a pass to save his life, but he can definitely run the ball well. But you know, they're, they're vulnerable. You have Georgia at home. Georgia's looking vulnerable. They they had some weak games last year too, so you never know. But yeah, I, yeah like, I'm not writing Georgia off just yet. Exactly, but the fact that you got him in Neyland Stadium it changes that math a little bit. And but and that the, the bad thing about that game is it's late year. Yeah, I I just think nine and three for me. It just makes the the most sense. Probably Alabama and Georgia those additional two losses. Maybe you you squeak one out and and get one of those you know great statement signature wins for Hypel against Alabama or Georgia, and then uh, you know drop a stupid one. Who knows? Like I mean, that was last year. <laughs> you, you got you your signature in, win. You dropped a stupid. One. You went in Tuscaloosa, but you drop a game to Texas A and M, and still finish nine and three. I think everybody's just fine with that. Yeah, all's all's forgiven. Texas and Texas A and M. Obviously, we're going to talk about Texas A and M. That's that's going to kind of be next week's show. Obviously, very good defensive line, offense with backup quarterback. I 
they have a quarterback right now in Texas A&M who I would say is like the definition of like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's like not, he's not excellent at anything, but he's like, eh, you know, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the exact definition of that. Um, but we're, that's, that's next week's show. We'll save that. <clears throat> um, but I'll, I'll say nine and three, you say nine and three. I, it just, it just feels most likely like you, you have a pretty favorable, tough, tough schedule, but a favorable schedule as much as it can be being an SEC East team. And so that, you know, I'll go there. Is is eight and four also very possible? For sure. Is 10 two also very possible? For sure. So yeah, I'll land in the middle there. Yeah, I think you gotta win at least nine games somehow this way, uh, this season. Like in some way, if that's eight and four in a bowl game, whatever it is, I don't you, you can't really go eight and five. Although, I mean, Philip Fulmer did it from time to time during some good Tennessee years. I mean, I think two thousand and two maybe was an eight and five years sandwiched in between 11 and 10 wins there so it it can happen and sometimes those seasons do just happen and I think as we see more parity coming into the sport again because of the transfer portal because of NIL you're going to see less just juggernauts that dominate for five years at a time 10 years at a time in Alabama's case but but most of these programs you know they go through like a a five-year stretch where they're just like the team like USC at one point, Florida kind of had their moment, then Bama, Clemson a little bit, Georgia now. I think you're going to see fewer of those kind of dynasty-type programs. It's going to be more like, oh, Alabama only won nine games this year, and then the next year maybe they win 12, and it's just kind of back and forth like that. I think that's going to become a lot more common like it used to be. Well, we'll, we'll see where it goes. F- fingers crossed. I mean, hopefully 11-1, and one, they, they proved me wrong. I, I thought Crompton was crazy. The beginning of last year, he was like, it's 11-1. I believe in Hypel. Hinton Hooker's that dude. He knew. And I, I think he literally predicted uh, 11-1. Ultimately, it was 10-2. and two. But, yeah. I, I want that to happen. But I just got to go with what's probably the most likely outcome there. Now, let's finish with the fact that it was a huge recruiting weekend for Tennessee with South Carolina, the dark mode such an insane environment and you got specifically one massive recruit in town but on the whole it was just a big recruiting weekend in general and we're gonna talk about it right after i tell you about rattle and snap tennessee whiskey nothing goes better with a tennessee sports victory then a great whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about rattle and snap tennessee select straight whiskey log still distillery has released a new tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. I've had both. They're both awesome. Great in cocktails. Great neat in a glass. Go get your hands on a bottle in stores across the state of Tennessee, but it's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. If you are a non-Tennessee-based vol, run and don't walk to get yourself some Rattle and Snap Tennessee whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram, at Rattle and snap whiskey i saw earlier in the comments i think it was like way back uh at the beginning i think it was billy bob he said that he had had a tough monday and he needed some rattle and snap go get some stores across the state of tennessee it is there for you billy bob all right recruiting we haven't had a recruiting segment in quite some time uh but i think you got to talk about this coming into the weekend you saw from Jordan Seaton, who is a 
five-star offensive lineman. He canceled a visit to Oklahoma and chose to come to Tennessee. And then was tweeting all of this stuff about Tennessee. The, this, this is the only color orange that I like. Go Vols. And he was tweet, you know, doing all this stuff, gassing up Tennessee fans. You hear from the recruiting reporters that in in a general sense, it went really well. It's hard for it to not go really well when you have the dark mode in that environment and the whole deal. Uh, and then Tennessee, of course, wins in that environment. It just builds on it even even more exponentially there. Um, did you see any any recruiting tidbits out there about this, Zach? Because this just seemed like a guy who, if Tennessee could get, oh, it would be so huge. When you when you look at how important, like uh, 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 Darnell Wright, I was thinking Daryl Wright, Daryl Darnell Wright uh, was for Tennessee. You, you know, you just need another dog on that offensive line, and I, you know, you got to think Seton could be one. Uh, what'd you see about this, Zach? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're seeing that you you load up on defensive linemen and you have really good offensive linemen. You're you're probably going to win a lot of games in the SEC. The rest of the stuff will kind of take care of itself, and and that was certainly true on on Saturday night because that was the really what won the game for Tennessee. So definitely a guy that Tennessee needs to get, wants to get, would be a huge addition. It seems like they're really on the right track here. I mean, he talked to I think Volquest about how much time Josh Heupel spent with him. Uh, how real Hypo was, you know, kind of a lot of the things we've heard about Hypo that he's just a a good dude that's just normal to talk to. It's not like getting a sales pitch from people all the time. It's Hypo just just hanging out like like dudes would hang out, like you like like with a buddy. And I think that's what's so relatable about Hypo. He's close with Boo Carter as well, Tennessee commit that was also at the South Carolina game. Uh, hopefully. Boo Carter ends up in Tennessee. It seems like he's going to. I know some of those visits to Colorado have made people a little uneasy, but honestly, if I had a chance to go to Colorado right now, I'd probably want to go check out a game in that environment and see what it was all about as well, just to just to experience it because it is it is uh, pretty amazing what what's been happening out there. So, you know, otherwise, I think they're in a good spot for him. We'll we'll see how it plays out. There's still a couple of months here left to go. I think he's still got to get an official visit in, which is when they can really roll the red carpet out for him, and, and maybe that takes it to another level. But it's kind of hard to to think that another team could jump Tennessee at this point. It, it, they always could, but the things that he was saying, it feels like Tennessee's in the driver's seat, and they just got to kind of continue what they're doing here. He's a borderline five-star guy, too. I mean, he's right. He'll probably be a five-star, like a full five-star on all the services. By the time the next, you know, updates are done and before the final rankings come out for this recruiting class, which sometimes is after they sign. Yeah, I think, let's see, on on three has him as the number one offensive tackle uh, in the class 2024. And then, yeah, 247, number three offensive tackle. He was a four-star on 247, but of course, like you said, you got to think by the end of it, if, if on three is thinking that highly of him, there's a pretty good chance he's going to end as a five-star uh, on both services there. Um, and, and yeah, and, and actually, Ben, I did see this. I saw somebody tweet about this. Uh, Austin Price has said that, this is from Ben Hall in the comment, Austin Price has said Boo Carter had been recruiting Seton really hard to Tennessee. Yeah, apparently they're boys. And uh, that that's amazing. And obviously makes you feel even, <laughs> makes you feel better about the, the Boo Carter recruitment too. He's hopefully Brian Niedermeyer. Back. Hopefully Brian Niedermeyer doesn't get into his ear since uh, <laughs> Seton does go to IMG Academy, where yeah, Moose, Moose Niedermeyer is uh, on staff down there and celebrated 
pretty openly when Bo- uh, uh, Carnell Tate committed to Ohio State over Tennessee last year. If you don't recall that, in fact, it resulted in me getting blocked on Twitter by Brian Niedermeyer. I don't. I think I just quote tweeted it with like, look at this guy or something. But either way, uh, hopefully he's not in his ear uh, trying to sway him somewhere else. Yeah, you you and and most people. Let's. I was looking. Yeah, on LinkedIn, uh, Niedermeyer is still at IMG. He's, uh, mm. yeah, it it just lists, uh, oh, it doesn't actually, oh, no, it says, uh, doesn't this mean you're unemployed? It says hashtag open to work on his LinkedIn. Yeah, I don't know. No telling with him. <laughs> Regardless, I, I'm just looking at the, the, the public LinkedIn page. Hey, look, I, I appreciate <laughs> what he tried to do when he was at Tennessee. He pulled out all the stops to get all the recruits. I mean, yeah. <laughs> He just didn't hide it very well. Uh, yeah, that was not well appreciated. I want to say I'm blocked also because I clowned on him for that. Regardless, uh, whether he is there or not, um, yeah, this would be a massive, massive pickup, and and hopefully Boo Carter is is working on it like that because man, that would just be awesome. Because there has been a little bit of crit- criticism of, of Hypel there that the offensive lineman recruiting has been. Not as good as you would hope it would be with how good Eiple's offense is. Uh, you know, obviously the the wide receiver position recruits itself and quarterback has been been elite and you know, some things like that. And people have kind of looked and been like, eh, uh, offensive line, it could be better. And this, you know, that would obviously uh kill that criticism if you were to get Jordan Seaton here. Yeah, I Outside think of some that, negative some negative recruiting has probably happened there with with the offensive line, but Darnell Wright getting you know top ten pick should help alleviate some of that. Same stuff we saw with the wide receivers. You're starting to see a little bit of that go away with, with Jalen Hyatt every time he gets on the field for the Giants, which he'll be on the field here again in what 20, 30 minutes on Monday Night Football. Seems like good things happen, but the Giants aren't putting him out there enough, and and Giants fans are are pretty tore up about that. So I, I don't doesn't seem like Heupel's offense held him back too much when he's out there. He's getting open that. Daniel Jones don't have time to get the ball to anybody. Yeah, that as long as he's doing that, you're not going to have, and Tennessee is doing what it does on offense, you're not going to have any trouble getting a guy like a Mike Matthews to commit to Tennessee. But you you did also have, uh, I think Cam Michael was another big one that was in town. He's just an athlete, four-star uh, in the class of 2024. At the moment, favored to Georgia, it looks like. Um but that that was another another big one that those those you just gotta hope that they got the message that they saw the the environment that it all comes across as you know don't you want to come here play in front of this crowd get in on on what what Tennessee is putting together and then when you're competing against Georgia at this point you just gotta pray <laughs> that's you did you did the best you could and then you just that's that's that um, it's impossible to recruit against two you know, back-to-back national champions. It's a slow burn what Hypel's building and recruiting. You keep landing top 10 classes, you're you're going to build up talent and depth, and you'll slowly get into that top five, top three that, that you need to be in. He, Kim Michael is also going to visit a Texas A&M, one at Kentucky, too. Um, I don't oh, want Kentucky, play. that's nice that he's going to give them a visit. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to put Kentucky down, but I'm going to assume Texas A&M is probably competition there. And yeah, Kentucky is, yeah, nice, nice of him to go there and <laughs> give them the time of day. But let's be honest here. Um, so that that's pretty much all of it with recruiting. Was there anything else with the re- the recruiting 
this. That's really, we like to go deep on the recruiting in the off season, but it, it's just nice to see Tennessee get, get a big win in a nice environment in front of big recruits. It's always great. You got to talk about it, but was yeah, there anything else? You, that's you, you keep putting out these environments and these Saturday night games and, and dark mode uniforms with these awesome light shows and entrances and uh, primetime games that, and you win those games and recruits get to experience that environment, that celebration, it's going to keep paying off. It's not just a one-off deal. I mean, you've, you've seen several of these environments, Florida last year, Alabama, Kentucky, uh, South Carolina this year. It's, it's starting to add up where recruits are like, okay, if I come here, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be a part of this. They start to trust that. They start to trust what Hypo's building because I'm sure, I'm sure Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Billy Napier, anybody that's recruiting against Tennessee, not that Napier has room to talk, can say like, hey, yeah, they're a one-hit wonder. You know, look look how they lost to Florida early this season on the road. They, they can't sustain this. Uh, I, I have no doubt that that's what's being said out there on the recruiting trail, and Tennessee's just got to keep trying to prove that wrong. For sure. Uh, yeah, Brett Brandon Coleman says, our home game streak is a great thing to lean on. Was it like 12 now? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, just re- really impressive how good Heupel is, has been at home. And just just in general, I, <laughs> I did really like there was some, I, I don't know, you know, Homer, South Carolina account that posted something like, what has Josh Heupel done that makes him uh, so much better than Shane Beamer in the same exact amount of time? Said something along those lines. And, you know, Tennessee fans clowned on it. I also think it's a pretty valid question because I t- Tennessee is a more powerful program with better resources, but I would say that you started in a tougher spot with Tennessee mm-hmm. sanctions looming over you, 30 guys transferring out, yada, yada, yada. We all know what happened there. Uh, and, and it, I mean, it's just coaching, right? Like it just is, the, the power of the scheme that Josh Heupel runs and the things that he does that set him apart where Beamer, it just seems like he's, I don't, I don't want to say completely living off nepotism, but it, it feels like he's a little in over his head. Um, and you know, well, I, when to, the best to, offensive to be coordinator about you can that get, as I can be. when the best offensive coordinator you could get was a tight ends coach at Arkansas, that's pretty telling, right? But he's 17 and 14 through 31 games. Josh Heupel's 22 and nine. You know, Jeremy Pruitt was 15 and 16 at Tennessee through 31 games. He's closer to what Jeremy Pruitt's done at Tennessee than what Josh Heupel's done. He's more on Jeremy Pruitt's level. I mean, the wins and losses show that. And really, Heupel should be 23 and eight because we know they beat Purdue. Maybe 24 and seven. That old Miss game got pretty wacky too, if we're, if we're being honest. That could have, that that could have went the other direction with some some bad calls and like that that strips that fumble that wasn't called. But you know, either way, yeah, Heupel's clearly accomplished, I think, significantly more. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of a conversation for another day. But let's get to the final segment. We're gonna bring producer Matt back in here for another week uh to to hang out with us, make bi week predictions, tell us what it was like to be at the South Carolina game. We'll get him on here right after I tell you about our final grade sponsor. Hello Fresh. Uh, with Hello Fresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on 
HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit when it comes to options. Honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week. A busy fall schedule doesn't always have to leave doesn't always leave you with time to spare and with HelloFresh you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal with the quick and easy recipes and 15 minute meals you get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery go to hellofresh.com/50vols-az hellofresh.com/50vols-az and use code vols v o l s for 50% off plus 15% off your next 2 months HelloFresh.com slash 50VallsAZ, then promo code BALLS uh, for 50% off, 15 plus 15% off your next two months. That is HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Now, let's get to it. Let's bring Matt in here. Oh, I switched you guys around. Matt is now Zach Reagan. Uh, there we go. All right, we got it right. Matt, what's up, man? Guys, how are we doing? Doing all right. Uh, you were at the game on Saturday, blackout, maybe, well, it was a blackout game. Maybe you were also blackout. I don't know. Uh, but how, how was it? How was, uh, that South Carolina game? it was so fun. It was honestly one of the more memorable games, even from last year, this game was so fun to be at. It was one of the loudest games I've ever heard. And I mean, you just can't beat the blackout, but that pick. That pick six was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. That we were, I was right there, like more towards the right side of the student section because it's more like on that south end zone. It's on the right side, but I mean, that was one of the most electric plays slash just moments of my like. It was incredible, but yeah, it was a great game. Um, thank God um, they won because it was getting testy there. But um, what a great game! What a great yeah. game! And the the pressure the pressure to um, Rattler. I told you if we put pressure on them and and they did, but um, guys, it was fun. It was a great time. That, uh, that play you're talking about the pitch six with Kamal Haddon. That's what I specifically wanted to ask you about that. Did you happen to see, does the TV broadcast didn't really show what the unsportsmanlike penalty was on? I think no. it was Danico slaughter that was on the no. field. I, I heard somebody on Twitter. I think it was Twitter, maybe a message board. I can't remember at this point that, they said something about he was kind of standing over taunting Rattler right after the interception. I was just wondering if he might yeah. actually saw it. Oh, I, I, I did see that. Um, I didn't, I guess, yeah, now I'm thinking about, it, I guess that's, I, 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 again, it was a blackout game. I was, I was, numb. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I didn't even see, I mean, I, I remember that, but we sacked him so many times we were, I mean, we were, there was a ton of plays where they were taunting him right after the, the whistle standing over him. And I'm actually kind of glad we didn't get flagged more for that, but, um, I don't really, I don't really remember that. I mean, I got that play though. I mean, oh, I'm sure it was just complete chaos and chaos. I mean, we, I, everybody was moving back and forth. I mean, that was, that game had so many big plays and that's what you love about a football game is when they have those big, huge plays. Um, I mean that squirrel white catch. Oh my God, what a catch. Um, but that, yeah, that game was filled with big plays, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember seeing that. I was, I was too busy jumping up and down, but it was, oh, uh, no doubt that was, no. that was crazy. Dude, nothing makes me long to have Mike Keith be our play-by-play guy on the radio than a game like that. Because you, you, I, I, sp- I only, I, I only thought about that because uh, I heard the radio call of Squirrel White's catch, and Bob, mm-hmm. man, he just he goes, 
Oh, squirrel, it's an incomplete pass, and there's going to be a flag. Neither of those things happened. On Can you imagine a Mike? You imagine if Mike Keith was on those games because I'm a huge Titans oh. fan, you know, from Nashville. <clears throat> Grew Dude. up with Mike. I mean, All he would see Zach. I know. Uh, Classic Mike Keith. He's come to really, he's come uh, talk in my high school a couple times. Great guy, really nice dude. I t- he's he's the absolute best. I mean, a huge Titans guy too. And I mean, he just really oh, if only. Well, regardless, <laughs> we're we're getting off the beaten path there about uh, the things that I wish would happen with Tennessee radio. But uh, this really, I, I just wanted to have like bi week predictions here because I think uh, obviously Tennessee doesn't play for another two weeks. And so a lot of really good games this week and some interesting stuff uh, that I think will affect Tennessee in the future. Specifically, Texas A&M plays Alabama. And let's start there. Texas A&M is Tennessee's next game. They look like they got a pretty good uh, defensive line. They look like their quarterback is decent. Matt, uh, I'll throw it to you first with this one. Do you think Texas A&M – let's do – just two in a row. We'll ask your prediction for the Tennessee Texas A&M game, and then Zach and I will save ours for next week. But uh, start with Texas A&M Alabama. You think they can do it? No, I think I think Alabama. I think this is another statement win for them. I think this Alabama team is better than what people have been giving them early. Um, I think it's a really close game. I don't even think I can put a score on this. I don't know if it's going to be a shootout or I just don't know Texas A&M, Texas A&M that much, but. I think Jaden Milrow is starting to get really comfortable. I mean, you saw him last week. He doesn't, you know, they talk about how he can't throw the ball. He can throw a ball. And he used, I mean, when he uses his legs, I mean, it's not like he's, he's not having two-yard runs. He's having 20-yard runs. He's having 30-yard runs. And a team hasn't stopped him yet. So I think, um, I think, I think Alabama, I think Alabama dominates this one, actually. I don't even think, I, I don't even think it's going to be close. And I think it's going to be a statement win for them. Um, what do you guys think, Zach? Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm with you. I, th- I think Alabama wins. I don't know if they dominate necess- necessarily just because it's at Texas A&M. But I mean, they they certainly could because I'm I'm kind of like you. I haven't watched a ton of Texas A&M a yeah. lot, and I don't I don't know them as in depth as some other SEC teams. But I do agree with like the statement game part. Like Nick Saban, he's I think he's trying to figure out how to win without an elite, elite, elite quarterback because he's had several in a row. Back before, you know, the early 2010s, late 2000s, when he was first Alabama, he was kind of known for winning without those elite-type quarterbacks. So I think he's kind of trying to figure out how to do that again, maybe. I think they come out with something to prove in this game. I really do, and I think they win. Yeah. I'll, I think it's going to be close. And they because, like you said, it's in College Station, I think they squeak it out. Mil, Milrow with his legs is, is lethal. For sure. Um, and their defense is probably better than last year. I think the offense isn't as good, but the defense is probably better. Uh, I mean, the, I don't, the offense is nowhere near as good as it was last year. No Jameer Gibbs, no, you know, no Bryce. So I, I'll i say it. it's close. They squeak it out. Texas A&M's defensive line is a real deal. And I, I think that's not getting talked about. No, they got smacked around by Miami. And you think about that, whatever you want. Miami's, I don't think, a very great team. But uh, I I. Just think the Texas A&M, they're kind of rounding into form a little bit. That quarterback's decent. I'll, I'll say they Alabama does win, but it's real, it's squeaky. It's close. You guys think um, they're squeaking it? I don't know. I mean, Jimbo is no. I mean, look, you you Matt could be right here because Jimbo does lay an egg 
you know, every now and then. Like that's that's, that's going to happen at some point. I'm not a Jimbo guy. Never been a Jimbo guy. I don't think yeah. anybody in Texas A&M's even a Jimbo guy yeah. at this point, to be honest. I know. But, yeah, he could, they beat Alabama. He can maybe change some minds there. But yeah, he. I don't think he's long for Texas A&M. I think if that buyout wasn't so high, he'd already be gone. Well, Zach, he can Zach recruit I, though. He can that's recruit. True. That's definitely yeah. true. Uh, Zach and I will give our predictions for the Texas A&M game uh, next week, but we'll just straight up here early. You think Tennessee is going to do it in, in Neyland against Texas A&M? God, I just have this feeling, this weird feeling. This is going to be a kind of a trap game. I we're coming off. Coming off bye week. I, uh, and it's probably going to be emotional against Alabama. I know. I just, it's something, I'm getting a feeling, but I can't go against the Vols. I think, I think it's going to be literally up to a field goal. I think it's going to be one of those games, um, a field goal to win the game. I'll give it to us. I'm going to say 31 28, us. Um, I, th- I think this goes down to the wire. Final drive, field goal. And hopefully we get, I mean, again, I hate to say this, but our, our atmosphere really does play. I feel like we ne- like it doesn't even feel yeah. like we lose at home anymore. After that, I mean, it is so loud. I don't know how away teams even even get close. Like it is that loud. And but I think I don't know. I think if Jimbo drops this game against Bama, they're gonna be pissed too because it's like again, this is now Jimbo's in the hot seat and he's got to do something fast. He's got to put some work in. Thirty-one twenty-eight, and we win by a field goal, and Oof. it goes down to the wire. What about you guys? Well, we like I said, we'll we'll give our we got to oh, yeah. keep people oh, yeah. coming back. So we'll we'll go with ours next week. That'll be the last segment of the show next week for for me and we'll Zach s- for our production we'll prediction for Texas yeah. A&M. Uh, this one also ties into to Tennessee here. Uh, in in a game that's happening this weekend, LSU Missouri. Obviously Missouri coming up. Missouri getting a lot of hype. Topped Tennessee in the AP poll. After beating mm-hmm. Vandy by less points than Tennessee beat South Carolina by, I don't know. Interpret that however you want. Um, but a lot of people, oh, it's great. Brady Cook is now God's gift to Missouri football. He's the best quarterback in in the SEC to some people. Do you think that Missouri? I mean, it's it's at LSU. So mm-hmm. no, I think it's at Missouri. Valley, is it? It's, is, I thought it was in. I think it's in Missouri this year. Uh, sh- I'm checking right now. And that is. Oh, a, it is. Uh, it is. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So okay. So that that's a big factor. I mean, not that Missouri has like. But it's a noon game. It's a noon game. It's a noon game. So I don't think it's gonna be. I don't remember what Tennessee did last time when I was uh, noon game. Never yeah. know. Can can I'm gonna say uh, can L- or uh, can Missouri beat LSU? Absolutely not. I think mm. I think Missouri's some frauds. Now I would like to shout out there. One of their defensive linemen, defensive linemen went to my high school, Niles Gaddy. He's all SEC preseason. Really good player, nice guy. No way, no way. Especially after that loss what, this past weekend. No, I think LSU kills them. I think Missouri some frauds. Um, I I think they're getting so much hype right now. Um, I don't know. It's at LSU and they're pissed. Give me give me LSU by a long shot. I I think Missouri. I, Missouri's getting close. I think they're getting close to you know getting picking up games and starting to win games and being more recognized in the SEC, LSU's pissed off. I mean, that was a emotional win by Ole Miss. So I think LSU's pissed. I th- I, I think it's not close. LSU's defense is not 
not not great. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, it, it it definitely sets up to be kind of like a shootout type deal. But I I kind of agree with the whole revenge factor. You know, after the old Miss game, being mad, it's a noon game, so it's not a huge advantage for Missouri. That place is yeah. can be pretty lifeless, even when it's sold out. Uh, it's it's a weird. It's a weird place to play. You remember when Georgia went there last year? It was just a weird vibe the whole game. Uh, but I think LSU went – Brian Kelly's been in this position before. I don't love Brian Kelly, but he's a veteran coach that's been through tons of ups and downs. And I gained yeah. a lot of respect for him as a coach after he went, I think, 4-8 and eight that year at Notre Dame and kind of bounced back after that. Because that can be tough to come back from. You don't see that a lot. You lose faith. Your team lose faith. Boosters, donors, they all lose faith really quick. So I think he'll have them – on the right track, he did it last year after Tennessee lost to LSU, or after LSU lost to Tennessee and got them back on track. I think I think he'll be okay. It it could be a shootout just because of LSU's defense, but they still have some dudes down there, so we'll see. I know the the defensive coordinator LSU Matt House had kind of been going had some off the field stuff that he had to deal yeah. with maybe early in the year uh, or preseason. So John Jensen, who oddly used to be Tennessee's defensive coordinator, had had kind of been helping out with some of that. So. Maybe they did all that straightened out, but I, yeah, I like LSU here. I'll say Missouri does it. I dark horse, just, Charlotte, dark horse. LSU's defense is straight up butt, dude. They are not, <laughs> yeah, they are. not good. They, you just look at what has happened so far. Shredded by FSU, absolutely shredded by Ole Miss. Um, who's what was another game they won? They beat but Mississippi State 41-14, so they did decent there, but I don't think Mississippi State's there. They're still trying to figure eh. out who they are, too. And then, yeah, they don't uh, know what they're doing yet. 34-31 over Arkansas, so still gave That's up 31 points. 31 points Arkansas. That lost their OC, right? I mean, they, they're doing, you know, yeah. had to replace. But I'll, I'll, I'll say it's Missouri, uh, it's big sig- signature win for Drinkwitz uh, and, and pulls that one out, but I still don't think Missouri's that good. I think Tennessee will still go to Missouri and win, regardless I do of like the fact that they... I think, he, I think he's a good coach. I, I do like him. Mm. I like he's turning their program around. Really? I don't know. Yeah, he's he just is. He's he's Mr. Visor. I think he's better. He's he's better than Beamer, but he strikes me the same way. He's just kind of disingenuous. He's trying a little too hard. It just he's a smart guy. A lot of stuff he I does. Think he's is a cringy. I think he's a really smart guy. I just think it's really going to be really hard for him to have the success that he wants to have in the SEC. I think yeah. he's more suited to be like a an ACC guy. Like he feels like an ACC I mean, how do you, coach to me. And Missouri's a tough place you, to win. It is. Yeah, how do you, yeah, how do you recruit a guy to Missouri? Like especially when I mean, you know, a three star will go to Missouri. But how do you get like a four or five star to come to Missouri? Yeah. Well, they did change. They literally changed the NIL law so he could earn money <laughs> the moment that he uh, signed his financial aid papers because they did. Who was the five star they got? Uh, Williams Winery, right? That's yeah. the the DL they got there, uh, and he's from Missouri, so the law applied to him. So if there's a five star Missouri, they can, they might have a chance. Give him, give him some check, give him some it's money. The only way, yes, the only but way. Other, yeah. other than that, you don't. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's two, just two more games here. Kentucky is at Georgia. Georgia looking, looking a little shaky against. Auburn, and by a little, I mean kind of a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, can Kentucky, after smacking Florida around, can they go to Georgia and, and pull a miracle? It's at Georgia. It's the game at Georgia. Yeah. No. 
I would, I would <laughs> love, I would, I would love to say that they could beat Georgia. I mean, they killed Florida, but, and I don't know. I think, uh, no, give me, give me Georgia. I, I really do think we're Georgia's first big test. And it's, I think that's going to be a good, I think we, that is going to be their first big test, but no, we'll give it to them. Unfortunately, we'll give it to the dogs on that one, but um, no, yeah, that's, it's, uh, Georgia's going to take that one. Yeah, the, the fact that it's a night game in Athens, Georgia has not played that well. You're starting to hear some of the noise. There's some AP voters, I think, that voted uh, like Texas over Georgia in, in the polls. Not obviously Georgia's still number one, but there's some voters that kind of express some uh, some concern that Georgia's not who who they were last season, which obviously they're not up to this point. But you know, Kirby Smart uses that as motivation. I think that's a night what I was game, about to say. Yeah, yeah, I think a night game, <laughs> SEC game. He's starting to hear a little bit of that chatter that maybe Georgia's not as good as they were last season. I mean, that feeds right into what Kirby Smart loves to do to, to motivate his team. So, yeah, I think I think this might be uh, like okay, Georgia is going to be okay type game. Yeah, I think that's what happens here. Yeah, I, I feel that same exact way. I think Pete Kentucky overhyped because I think Florida sucks, and then kentucky comes in with that hype and just gets their butt kicked i they lose by 30 and suddenly everyone's like oh georgia is the best team in america and kentucky is uh, you know i think it's going to be one of those and it's going to be i'll see why they don't just throw the ball really to hours every single time in the middle of the field and just he's one of the best tight ends i've ever seen in my life like how you can't tackle that job he's so <laughs> good uh, well final one here vandy going to florida <laughs> is florida so bad and Tennessee, so unlucky, so whatever, cursed against Florida that Vandy will go down and beat Florida in the swamp. Can can the doors beat them two years in a row and Tennessee cannot? What year did Florida, this was a couple of years ago when they or when Vandy went in and beat Florida? It was like what five, yes. six years ago. Every I isn't it every team in the SEC has beaten Florida in the swamp since Tennessee last beat Florida in the swamp, I believe. Is I'm it, sure is a real have. it feels that way. It feels yeah. that way. Can the doors do it? Absolutely not. No, not a <laughs> chance. Um, I would love for Vandy to beat Florida. Um, no, absolutely no way. Grammar's has a good game. Um, it's, Vandy's just not there yet. They're not. Um, it might be a little close in the first half, though. You know, it could be one of those games where where it's close in the first half, and you know, all have Vandy fans do. Oh, oh, this is going to be an upset, and then they get blown out in the second half. Um, yeah. Yeah, Florida beats them. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any chance. I is, I think it's a night. Is it a night game in the swamp? I don't, I'm not sure. But uh, really, that doesn't, that really doesn't matter. Four, four o'clock, it's close enough. Uh, it's that yeah. afternoon game. It'll it's get dark. Kickoff. It'll get yeah. dark. I mean, Vanderbilt's not good. They got blown out by Wake Forest, who is not good at all without Sam Hartman. They lost UNLV. They got blown out by Missouri. I don't, I don't see them going down there and winning this game in any way. And I think Florida fans are still in on the season just enough to be loud because of that win against Tennessee. Now, if they had lost to Tennessee, then maybe this is a crowd that's turned on Billy Napier and, and they're ready to be done with him. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think they've still got a little bit of hope that they can figure this out. And I think there'll be a pretty decent crowd there. I, yeah, it's not too far away from Florida Florida fans turning. I mean, I, I was listening to Andy Staples' show over the weekend and he, he had a Florida guy on there talking about how big Napier's buyout is and all this stuff. So yeah, and by, which by the way, it is thirty-one million dollars. Uh, so that's hilarious. But 
Yeah, I mean, Vandy, they just stink, man. They just, ugh. I wish like, we had a better in-state rival. I really do. Yeah, they're just trash. <laughs> like, it just is what it is. I, I Most teams in the SEC can beat Vandy with one arm tied behind their back, and that just is what's going to happen on Saturday because Florida is about as good as a team with one arm tied behind their back. So Vanderbilt um, really stands no chance to build a program anymore at this point with the portal because – if somebody yeah. gets good there, they're not going to stick around. You know, somebody's yeah. going to pay them to go elsewhere. So it's it's really a, a losing situation there forever. Coaches them, and I like Clark Lee. I think he's a good dude. I think he's a good coach, but it's just a it's a hopeless situation. You don't, That's why, you know, Zach. You don't want to you don't want to play in a construction field. You don't want to run through the end zone and see some construction <laughs> workers behind you piling yeah. some dirt up on a big I can't Saturday imagine night. How, how their recruiting visits have went. You probably got three stars showing up there, like low yeah. You probably have like a green screen up there with like yeah. what the stadium will look like in yeah. ten years. That would actually it, it be a better idea be. than what they have right now. It has to be that they bring dudes there and they go like, you'll have a diploma from Vanderbilt. Yeah. Like that has to be their their main selling point. Right? Show them got, the Titan Stadium or something. Even though I mean, dude, one, one of my best friends too. in the entire world is a massive Vandy fan. He got he got married on Vandy's campus in that chapel that they got there. And we we took his I was a groomsman, um, and LL is his best man. And we took the pictures in Vandy Stadium. I've been completely like behind the scenes everywhere in there. there I mean, it's nothing. There, there's just like, there's no like, oh, there's a nice like the athletic facility. They got it. They have like a, a pool and a th they don't, there's nothing. Like they're just as, I don't know. Like it I mean, has yeah. to simply be like, oh, you get a Vandy diploma. That's the thing. And you get to tell everybody you went to Vandy because it's a prestigious school. I, I mean, I, I, I literally grew up in Nashville and no, we, as a kid, it wasn't, let's, we're going to the Vandy game, you know, let's, let's go, let's go hit the Vandy game. That was never, that was never a thing. So it's just. Jay, Jay Cutler literally said on, uh, I can't remember who he was on now. I think it was, uh, he's on his own podcast. Well, he was on a podcast with the guy that played at Virginia that was in the NFL. That was a high draft pick. I can't remember now what his name was but anyway cutler said that he doesn't take his game as kids to vanderbilt games because he doesn't want them to associate that with with football and college God. football so oh oh that's pretty bad and they and he lives in nashville so yeah Yikes. oh that's, that's brutal bad. that's brutal i mean dude that that friend of mine chris long chris long was who he's on the podcast with well that that friend of mine season tickets like pays and goes to every game I saw, a ticket one, I saw a Vanderbilt ticket for a dollar one time. Yeah, he's there, not There was like a whole story like, about it. It's eight dollars for season tickets. <laughs> yes, season tickets. Four, 14, 14 but no, Odie. Told, no, how, how many games did you play home games? Yeah, seven, six, eight, something like that. Six bucks yeah. or whatever. A dollar a game. <laughs> Jeez. That's brutal. Uh, yeah. All right. That's it. Thanks to everybody for watching. I mean, we're almost at an hour and a half here. We've been it's a marathon session. But Matt, thanks for uh for hanging out. Once again, we'll get you back on uh a little bit later in, in the yeah. season. And uh it's I'll I'll ask again just in case. Any social media, anything you want to plug? Matt, well, my it, well, I, a third show, I'll I'll drop it for the fans, but I don't <laughs> I right, don't think so. Go. I think we're still gonna be producer Matt for a little bit. So yeah, build yeah. up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we gotta build some suspense there. But yeah, seriously, thanks. Thanks to everybody for watching. It it really the the comment uh, the comments were on fire tonight, and uh, you guys are so good, and we can't appreciate you enough for watching. Um, <laughs> if I lived in Nashville, I'd buy season tickets so that I could use one every other year just to watch Tennessee play. It probably would be about the same price to do yeah, two years cheaper. of 
be honest. Yeah, two years of Vandy uh, tickets compared to a nosebleeds at a Tennessee game. Um, all right. Seriously, thanks again. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Zach. Uh, that is it. Yeah, that that is it. I'll just I'll leave it there. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.